Amen. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, we can continue working through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, can we just recognize for a minute something that's been amazing to me? The June will be eight years I've been here. God has given us an embarrassment of riches when it comes to talent. Uh, with our young people, uh, I know a lot of effort has been put into over the years, uh, the kids choir and uh, the youth praise band and uh, Grayson was working with them uh, a couple of years ago, and now he's handed that off to Josh and Allie, and they're doing a tremendous job. Uh, but these these students put in a lot of work, uh, coming up here on Sunday afternoons to practice and get ready for Wednesday night, uh, and then to come up here and lead us so eff effectively today is just, uh, I, I give God praise for that, but I also want to recognize them and tell them what an amazing job they did. Uh, also, it's, it's also neat when you see God working even in uh, Chase and, and Josh. They're putting together a, a schedule for today, an order, and it goes right in with what we're talking about. That last song is really kind of speaks to the, the, the title that I'm going to have today, Funds and Focus. Uh, I think if we listen to the heart of worship, we, we've made it about us, and we need to repent of that and make it about him again because that's who it's about. Uh, 173 years ago, French writer Jean-Baptiste Alphonse Carr said the following, and by the way, uh, je m'appelle mon petit français, so I will not say this in French because I would not be able to make all the sounds right. So I'm going to give it to you in English. He wrote this in 1849. He said, the more things change, the more they stay the same. 1849, he said that. And I think that the passage we're going to look at today proves that old adage to still be true. The more things change, the more they stay the same. See, the issue at hand for Jesus in this part of the Sermon on the Mount is an issue that still plagues our society today. We tend to focus on the wrong things. We tend to allow other stuff to get our attention, to, to, to lean in and, and kind of pull away at our affections. And so we've always got to have that mindset of, Lord, help me make sure that I am focusing on you, that, that I am uh, investing my life in the things that are really going to matter. The rest of chapter 6 we're going to cover this week and next week talk about funds, focus, and fears. And so my goal is today to talk to you about the funds and the focus and then next week to try to tackle fears. There's a lot of anxiety uh, among a lot of our folks and, and especially today in the days we live in. So I want to cover that next week. I want you to see though today that our funds and our focus is, is important. It's important how we think about them, how we invest them what we're looking at and how we're looking at it. The first 18 verses of chapter 6 warn us to seek God's approval rather than man's approval. And then this passage explains how we do that. We keep an eternal value system and not an earthly value system. For these college graduates, you guys who either already or about to embark on a new journey, you need to understand that, that everything that you place value upon in this life, you need to weigh it in the eternal scales, not just in the earthly scales. This, this world will get you busy and wear you down and beat you to death, and you may be doing all of it for nothing because what you're doing is not laying up eternal treasures. Jesus explains that our spiritual needs and gains are more important than our physical needs and gains. Now, note what I said, more important. It doesn't mean that your physical needs aren't important, if you love Jesus and don't eat, you will starve to death. If you love Jesus and you don't drink water, you will become dehydrated and die. So I'm not saying that we don't spend any time or energy working on the essentials, but it's the mindset about the essentials. Why am I working on these things? Why am I providing 
this for my family? Why am I being a good husband? Why are you being a good wife? Why are you being a good child, a good parent? It's because we're laying up treasures in heaven. We're working on the eternal and not just on the earthly. So what I want to do today is I want to ask you three questions. And we're not going to stand and read the whole passage because I want us to focus down on each one of these questions in each section of these scriptures. And I want you to hear these verses and I want you to listen to them, resonate with them in light of the question that I ask with them. So the first question is in Matthew 6 verses 19 and 21. And here's the question, what do you love? What do you love? He says this, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. In the Greek, because of the way the Greek literally translates, this would be the literal translation. Do not treasure for yourself treasures on earth. See, that speaks not only to what we're working for, but how we, how we value something. We, add, we give value to things based on our assumption or presumption of their worth. And so in the Greek, do not treasure for yourselves treasures on earth. It's interesting, when I was doing this research, I found a study that USA Today did in 2014. Uh, by the way, 2014 sounds like, back in my day, you know, time is moving fast, y'all. Amen? My goodness. So 2014, they did a study, and they tried to calculate how much the American dream would cost. Hang on. This shirt's driving me crazy. All right. <laughs> Y'all know how my mind works. It was getting me. Chris, you're, just laugh at me, Chris. It's okay. I stood at it for like five minutes. That's all I had in me. All right. 2014, they did a study. They tried to evaluate what the cost of, of the American dream was. And I don't know exactly what they used. 2.5 kids, white picket fence. I don't know. But they figured out what the American dream would cost. Here's what they, here's what they put a price tag on it at. $130,000 a year. $130,000 a year, which you may be sitting there going, like me, what? <laughs> I, I better wake up. It's going to be an American dream. All right? You may be thinking, oh, that's nothing. That's easy. Here's the problem with that calculation. They also looked at the median average income in the United States in 2014. You want to know what that was? Barely over 59000 Median household income, 59000 Cost of the American dream, 130000 And we can't figure out why our economy's a wreck. You know, uh, credit card bills and, and credit card uh, debt is way up. It's because we feel this pressure that society has put on us to live up to. Listen, man, if you ain't, if you ain't doing this, you ain't nothing. If you ain't got this, you ain't nothing. If you're, if, how big is your house? How many bedrooms you got? How many bathrooms you got? How many acres you got? What kind of car you got? What kind of, you know, it, it's all, what kind of phone you got? Oh, you got that old, that old, that old little phone. Oh, you got that old big phone. It's whatever it is. Whatever the new is, that's what society tells you. You have to have the new. You have to keep up, and you have to live the American dream. Y'all listen to me. We are killing ourselves trying to live a fictitious life. That's why Instasham is so popular, because you can filter and edit and all this stuff, and it looks like you've got your act together. It looks like you've got your ducks in a row. You ain't even got ducks, some of y'all. But on Instasham... Look, everything's good. You just Photoshop out whatever you don't want in there. You crop out whatever you don't want in there, and that's what you present to people. The word store up in the Greek is thesorizo. 
And it means to amass or to put into reserve. So, so don't amass earthly treasures. Now, what, what does that mean? Does that mean it's bad to make money? It's bad to have stuff? No. It means don't, don't focus your energy and your life on amassing stuff. Whoever dies with the most stuff is still dead. They don't put you in a deeper hole, a shallower hole. Of what, they put you six feet in the ground whether you die penniless or whether you die the richest man on earth. Money cannot buy you happiness. It cannot buy you peace. This is not a prohibition against making money or being successful, but it's a call to make sure that we are using our resources to maximize the spread of the gospel and the ministry to the weakest among us. We have an opportunity, church, to meet needs that won't be met otherwise. You know the reason the government is so big and so intrusive? Part of the reason is the church has fumbled the ball on our mission to take care of those who can't take care of themselves. We have, we have opportunities to, to minister to people and bless people and look out for people. We talked about it last week with abortion. We can't just be anti-abortion. We've got to be pro-life. So when these young mothers have these babies, hey, step up, church. Don't sit around and wait on some guy from the government to come help. We help. It's what we do. We should be known as people who help. A more precise rendering of this sentence in the Greek because of the, the verb tense and the sentence structure would be stop treasuring up for yourselves treasures on earth. So it, it, what we see is don't do it, but really what he's saying is stop doing it. Why does he say stop doing it? 2,000 years ago, Jesus knew them just like he knows you and me, and he knows that we're already prone to lay up, to treasure up for ourselves treasures on earth. He is saying to you and I this morning, stop it. It's enough. Stop letting stuff dictate and rule your life. It is interesting to know the primary treasures of this day, when you look at the uh, moth and rust and thieves, he's really more focused on food, clothing, and you know, precious metals and precious stones. Now, for us, you know, don't treasure up or don't store up would be, you know, the latest and greatest technology and, and the, the newest and, and most, you know, self-driving car. Um, I, some of y'all, like, listen, I've seen some of y'all drive. I will, I will help finance you a self-driving car. <laughs> Just kidding. But here's the point. Whether your earthly treasure is destroyed, eaten, or stolen, it doesn't matter. You, the result is the same. You ain't got it. Hey, baby, it's gone. And everything that you have on a temporal level is fleeting. It, it, it can go away like that. You don't believe me? Watch, watch the economy in the next six months. Watch your 401K in the next six months. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 says, Don't wear yourself out to get rich because you know better. Stop. Don't you love that? that God riding through the psalmist says, Hey, quit it. You're wearing yourself out to get rich. You know better. In verse 5, as soon as your eyes fly to it, it disappears, for it makes wings for itself and flies like an eagle to the sky. See, when you're chasing after the fleeting things, it will sprout wings and fly away, and you can't catch it. That's how we need to understand these treasures of this world. Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. That's quoting De Deuteronomy 30, 31, 6. God has promised to never leave us, so why are we so intent on adding other stuff when he should be sufficient for us? 
Matthew 19 is, is one of the most interesting interactions in the New Testament to me. Uh, Jesus is, is traveling along and he has this rich young man come to him. And this rich young man is bragging about how religious he is. And here's what he says. Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Matthew 19, 16. Now Jesus, knowing his heart, knowing this man down to his DNA, comes back with this question. He says, why do you ask me about what is good? He said, there's only one who is good. And I think he let that resonate for a minute. And then he said this, keep the commandments. And all, you can almost sense the air of cockiness, the air of, of kind of uh, this you know, uh, self-centered mindset this young man had. He said, which ones? What do you mean, which ones? There are 10 of them. Get them all. <laughs> which ones? So, so Jesus comes back and says, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And here's the most ignorant thing we could ever say to those things. If, here, here's, if somebody says to you, are you keeping all the commandments? Here's your answer. I sure am trying, but probably not. Because remember, this is after Jesus has said, if you look with, at someone with lust, you've committed adultery. If you hate someone, you've committed murder. And yet here this cocky, arrogant, rich young man is saying, oh, I've done all that. I got all that. Listen to what he says. I have kept all these. What do I still lack? Here's what he's saying. Jesus, I'm so religious, I'm bulletproof, man. You can't get me. I've done all that stuff. I've kept all the commandments. I am rock solid. I am the man. You can't touch me. I, I know that I'm, I'm better than anybody else around here. And so then Jesus, again, looking into his very soul, you know, a good lawyer never asks a question they don't know the answer to. You know that? Well, think about how poetic that is for Jesus. He's the son of God, the son of man. He can't ask a question he doesn't already know the answer to. So he, he, he says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your belongings, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, what if he said that to you today? Hey, how can I have eternal life? Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. Hopefully you wouldn't be like this young man because here's the, the scary thing about this passage. The young man doesn't hesitate. He doesn't even let it ruminate for a minute. He doesn't ponder it. He doesn't roll it around in his head. Here's what he says. Literally, Jesus quits talking. Then come follow me. Verse 22. When the young man heard that, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. See, it, and it's not the problem is not that he had many possessions, that his possessions had him. Jesus said, if you want to go to heaven, get rid of your stuff. And this man looked at the Son of God and said, I'd prefer to keep my stuff and go to hell. I bet you there's not one person in here, if I were to say, how many of y'all want to go to hell and burn forever that you would raise your hand? But here, listen to me. When you choose to reject Christ, that's exactly what you do. You're saying, I would rather burn for eternity in hell than surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. This young man had stuff, but his stuff had him, and he rejected Christ because he didn't want to give up his stuff. Can I just tell you something? I like my stuff, but I love Jesus. There is, you all have heard me say this before. Anything that I have that ain't got a heartbeat has got a price tag. And if he tells me to sell all of it, it'll be on Facebook Marketplace tonight. Because I know he'll take care of me. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 6, 6, that godliness with contentment is great gain. He went on to say in verses 17 through 19 that we're to instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant, not to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God. See, that's a lot of the problem is we have set our, we have set our focus 
on our funds. We have set our focus on our stuff. We have set our focus on our 401k. We are listening to our accountant. We are listening to our money manager. We are listening to our banker. We are listening to our own fleshly desires, and we've tuned out the God of creation who is trying to speak truth into our lives to tell us to lay up treasures in heaven where, the, where they'll never go away. The last part of this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word heart in the Greek here is cardia. It's cardia, cardiac. That's where we get that word. It means the heart or, or the thoughts and feelings. The, the Jewish culture considered the heart the center of who a person actually was. Tony Evans said this, your heart will follow your treasure. And I would say this, it's uncontrollable. Your heart will follow your treasure. Where, where April is, I want to be. I've told her before, if you ever leave, you better pack two suitcases because I'm coming with you. I've seen, I've seen people when they, they go out together as a couple and they walk into a, 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 a gathering, a get-together, and they immediately split up. And the guy goes over here talking to his buddies and the lady goes over here. I'm just going to be, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not throwing stones at that. That ain't me. I want to be around her. That's my treasure. I, I, I love her. I want to be around her. If I'm going fishing, Neil, I want to go where the fish are biting. There ain't nothing that just fires me up about going and watching a court lay motionless in the water. Now listen, I prefer it to a lot of things I have to do, but I'd rather go and watch it sink. So if I'm going fishing, I'm going to fish where the fish are biting. Why? Because my heart will follow my treasure. My heart is, is, is uncontrollably going to follow the things that I value and the things where I place importance or, or, or value, worth. It reminded me of a story of a grandfather. It was a, a grandfather and his grandson were very close. Some things had happened in the, in the life of the family, and, and the, son, the, the little boy spent a lot of time with his grandfather, and they ended up being very, very close. I mean, I mean, super close. And when the boy was about 10 or 12 years old, the grandfather was dying. He was getting, he was getting old and feeble and starting to fade, and so he's, he's kind of on his deathbed, and he brings the grandson in. And the grandson, he's trying to explain to him, why, why are you dying? Why, why, what does this mean? And why can't you just stay? And, and he's trying to explain it to him. Y'all seen that. Y'all may have experienced that. And so the grandfather's trying to think of a way to put this. And he says, well, I'll tell you what. He goes, what I'm going to do is I've got to go, and, and I'm going to go to heaven and help God build your mansion. I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to help God prepare your mansion. And so I want you to follow Jesus with everything that you have so that one day you can join me in heaven and you can live in the mansion that I'm going to help him build. But here's the thing, he said to his grandson. You see, I'm going to be doing the work, but you're going to be sending up the raw materials. So make sure you send up the best materials for us to build your mansion. And see, that's what it means, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. We have to have an eternal, heavenly mindset where we are laying up the best. We are putting, listen, there's nothing wrong with stuff here, but you better make sure the good stuff is being laid up up there. You better be making sure that you are laying up those important, eternal things in heaven. That means you're sharing the gospel. That means you're giving sacrificially. That means you are serving in whatever way that you can. I love what Austin said earlier. We've got several of these young, young people, these students, that some of us could take notes from. Because they don't say, I want to do X, Y, or Z. They, wanna, they say, I want to do whatever needs to be done. How can I help? And by the way, just for the record, Wemo's got a ton of people like that. Per, per square person, and some of y'all are a little square, per square person, we've got more people that do that than anywhere, anywhere I've ever seen. But that's because we're focused on laying up those treasures in heaven. So number one, what do you love? Number two, what is your light? What is your light? Verses 22 and 23. 
The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? The word lamp there is the word luknos in the Greek, and it means illuminator. It reminded me of Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. If your light is bad, you're not going to see the path. So you need to use the word of God as your light. The eyes are the window to the soul. And they, that, that saying came about because eyes influence how you see everything. The word healthy in the Greek is haplous. And it means uh, single or clear. So you have a singular vision. You have a clear vision if your eye is good. Your eye, listen, how many of you have driven long distances like on the interstate during May and June in the south? You know, when you get like 70 million, you're like, I, I have gotten, I, surely I have killed every love bug in the state of Florida when I'm driving down I-10. Because if I drive from here to Dothan on I-10, I can't tell what color my hood is. There's so, I have to stop and like chisel off the, the, the love bug guts. Well, see, here's the problem. When you let your eye stay on the worldly, when you let your eye focus on the, 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 the material things, the, the temporal things, you're getting those love bugs on your eye. You're, you're getting your eye to where it's not bringing in light. It's not seeing well. It's not bringing in the good things. And you know what I'm talking about. Don't click on that. Don't follow that person on Facebook or, or Instagram or the Twitter. Don't do any of that stuff. Because what you bring in is important. If you don't believe me, go look at what they charge for a 30-second commercial in the Super Bowl. You don't think what you look at is important? You don't think that the eye, what goes in the eye is important? Go watch the Super Bowl commercial costs. It is critical what you let into your life, what you let into your eyes. You get it in your eyes and it goes in your brain. It gets in your heart. We have to be focused on making sure that our, li our eye, our lamp, is good, it's healthy, it's clear, it's focused. I'm going to do a little visual for me. Lucas, if you'll uh, stand back there kind of toward the back of the sound booth. Grayson, come on up, man. Y'all know I'm a visual learner, so we, we got to do things visually. I thought he was going to hop. Come on. He's going to hop up over the stage. All right, so we're going to do a little experiment. Lucas is going to be all of you, all of us, and me and Grace are just going to give you, so what we're going to do is we're going to hold up on one hand, just hold up a, a you know, number of fingers, and Lucas is going to tell us how many we're holding up. All right, ready, go. No, each one. <laughs> no, I, I didn't, no, that's on me. I didn't explain that. Which one? Three and three. All right, move up a little bit. Grace, move over a little bit. Come on up a little bit, Luke. All right, right there. All right, now, you can't move your head. Now how many? Nope. Coming up a little further. Actually, come all the way. Right there. All right. Now how many? <laughs> Here's what we just proved. Lucas is not an iguana. He can't do that thing where they can just do the eyes. Thank you. Here's the point. You see, when he's way back there, he can take in a pretty good bit. He kind of tell, all right, you know, I can see both of them. I don't have to move my head around. I don't have to, like, disconnect my eye muscles and look to the east side. But when you get closer, when things, listen, as we get closer to the end, we're getting closer to the end. You know what I'm saying? So as he draws closer, his focus has got to be singular. He can't spread out and look over everything. He can't look all the way across everything. His eye 
is bringing in whatever he is focusing his eye upon. That's why it's important, young people. That's why it's important, teenagers. That's why it's important, adults, what we focus on. If all you focus on is your 401k, you may die and go to hell with a very healthy retirement fund. And the government thanks you because they'll try to figure out a way to get half that. What you focus on becomes more and more critical the further in this life you go. You need to have a laser focus on the things of God, what he has called you to do. Listen, we spend so much time in the church trying to figure out stuff that's way above our pay grade. Hey, what, how do you think God is? How do how you think God did that? Hey, where'd this come from? Where'd that go? Love God, love people, make disciples. We overcomplicate things. It ain't that hard. It's like Chick-fil-A. You want chicken or chicken? <laughs> we want to make it a quantum physics problem. Hey, what about dinosaurs? What about the young earth and old earth? What about the, the old exodus and the young exodus? What about love God, love others, and make disciples? What about that? What about know your role, stay in your lane, and do what you know God has told you to do? Keep your eye focused on the right thing, and that will be what your light is. Number three, and this is the most important one, who is your Lord? Singular. You cannot plural the word Lord. You can't put it on there because you cannot serve two masters. That's what he says here. Look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In the uh, King James it says you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon, money, it's material wealth is what he's saying. You cannot serve God and serve materialism, material wealth. The word master there is kurios and it means supreme in authority or the controller. This is the word that they began their prayer with in Acts 4.24. We just covered that on Wednesday nights. Peter and John get uh, questioned by the Sanhedrin. They leave the Sanhedrin. They come back to the prayer meeting. And it says they prayed unanimously. They prayed in one accord. And the first word they said was this Greek word, kurios, master. You know why? Because they only answered to one. And they knew that was the one they needed to talk to. You cannot serve both God and money. The word serve there is duluo, and it comes from the Greek word doulos, which means slave. And so the word duluo means to be a slave to. D David Guzik said it this way, don't serve your money. Let your money serve the Lord, and it will serve you. Galatians 1.10, Paul says, for am I trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. James 4.4, 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be a friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Deuteronomy 3, I mean, I'm sorry, Proverbs 3.9, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Deuteronomy 6.5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. By the way, Jesus quoted that verse in Matthew 22.37. You think it's important? Yeah. How are we to love God? supremely, totally, fully. You can't love God by coming to church and sitting in a service, but you don't love God because you don't let him have your calendar or your checkbook. That's not loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Psalm verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 7, some take pride in chariots and others in horses, but we take pride in the name of the Lord our God. 
and I know, listen, y'all, I, wish, I wish I could bottle up the amount of angst that comes with talking about money from this pulpit. And by the way, it, that's one of the stupidest things that we allow. I, we get all bent out of shape about a preacher talking about money. Jesus talked about it all the time. And I want y'all to hear me. I'm not trying to, I know people, man, every time I come to church, some preacher trying to get his hand in my wallet. Man, look, you take that wallet and sit on it. <laughs> Literally. I'm not concerned about your wallet. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think God's that concerned about your wallet. Let me tell you what he's concerned about, your obedience. Because your wallet is a really good indicator of where your obedience lies. Again, if you want to see where somebody really is in their walk with Christ, check their checkbook and their calendar. If their calendar is filled with other stuff and every once in a while they try to do something religious, you know, if I, if I ain't up at the mountain or down at the beach or if I, you know, if I didn't have to stay out too late Saturday night or if I didn't have anywhere to go Sunday afternoon or if it ain't raining or whatever, then I'll go to church. Love the Lord your God with all heart, mind, soul, and strength. That doesn't sound like that. Well, I love the Lord and I, I serve the Lord, but now look, I, you know, I'm going to give about $5 a week in the offering plate. Now, I'm making six figures, but I'm just going to give a little bit because, you know, the church needs to do what it needs to do. Can I just be honest with you? And I know this is going to make some of you mad. I, I'm just at the point that I, we're probably going to talk about this a little bit next week unless the Lord keeps me from, from running a rabbit. One of the main problems we have in the pulpit today, in churches today, is we've got too many pastors that are scared to death of saying something that's going to make somebody mad and they're going to start a committee to get rid of them. Hey, look at me. I love this church. I don't want to go anywhere. But I was looking for a church when I found this one. I'm going to say whatever the Lord lays on my heart to say. And I'm going to speak it with love, but I'm going to speak the truth. Can I just tell you something the Lord has really been stirring in my heart this week? We wouldn't have to have a cut the rope program if everybody just gave. If everybody just gave with a cheerful heart. Man, listen, we could, take, we could, take, we could help with adoptions. We could take care of single mothers. We could do so many things. I'm not after your money. But let me tell you something. God's after your obedience. Because your obedience with your money shows a lot about where your focus is. You can't be focused on the things of heaven and be only concerned with your funds on earth and where you're going to put it. You and I having money is not dangerous. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Money's the root of all evil. No, it ain't. Money's no different than a hammer. A hammer in my hand, if I hit you with that hammer, it's a tool of evil. If I use it to drive nails and fix a uh, lady's uh, wheelchair ramp, it's a tool for good. That's all money is. It's, it's, it's innocuous. By itself, it's really just, it's, it's a thing. It's, it's a nothing is what it is. How you use it is critical. Us having money is not a problem, but boy, our money having us is deadly. Materialism is in direct conflict to serving Jesus. You know why? You ever watched a drug addict? Has anybody? I know that's rough. Anybody ever watched somebody get addicted to drugs in your life and you watch what happens with them? What do they do? They start hurting the people closest to them. I, I've known drug addicts who would steal from their mom and dad and lie to them about stealing from them. And their mom and dad would go bail them out and get them, try to get them help and they'd turn around and rob them again. You know why that is? Is that, does that person, is that person terrible and don't love their parents? No. That addiction has taken over their life and they can't control it. That's what the love of money will do. If you love money, you will serve money. It's just how it is. 
I do things for my wife that I don't like doing. I'll do dishes. I'll, I'll do. Listen, if she needs something done, I'll do it, even if it's not my jam, even if I don't like doing it. You know why? Because I love her. You'll do that with money if you love it. You'll be just like a drug addict. That money will bark and you'll be in the air before, you, before it even finishes telling you what it wants you to do. What do you love? What is your light? Who is your Lord? Talking about funds and focus really boils down to just this, keeping your attention on the right thing. Have you all ever watched uh, a little kid walk around? You're just, I'm, I'm a people watcher, so sometimes I just watch them. And uh, I was watching Kate the other day, and she was toddling around, and she wasn't looking where she was going. She was just kind of walking. And I'm talking about Kate Myrick, not Kate. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Kate. No, I was watching Kate McNeil the other day. She was in the fellowship hall, and she was toddling around, and she's just walking, and she's looking around. And what I always say whenever they're doing that, I'll say, hey, 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 watch where you're walking or walk where you're watching. Either one, pick one, but you got to do one or the other. Because what happens, parents? They find, listen, it, you couldn't, listen, I've seen a toddler square up the corner of a door facing. You couldn't do that if you had a, a like a global positioning, you know, Heat-seeking, you couldn't hit it any harder than... And it's amazing how they just are magnetically drawn to smack their face on something when they're not paying attention to where they're walking. They're just toddling around, and they're just kind of looking at the world, and, and you're going, I, I, I just tense up. I'm like, Ooh. You know, you can't... If you yell at them, they start crying. You try to jump and grab them, you can't get there in time. See, here's the thing. We do the same thing when we get distracted. Just like a toddler walking around and not watching where they're going or not going where they're watching, we do that same thing. Here's the problem. There's so much in life that's trying to get your attention. Man, there's so much. Watch a, watch, watch a TV show and watch some of these commercials. Number one, I, I don't know who they think they're selling some of this to. They're focused on trying to reach 7% of the population or less, the way they put these things together. But that you're watching these commercials and you're sitting there thinking, man, I ain't got one of those. My life just ain't, I ain't worth living. I mean, they'll do some of these commercials where you're watching going, how have I lived 49 years, and I don't have a, a, a bugomatic. How have I eaten potatoes my whole life without that little Ronco paper, paper, uh, potato chopper thing? And here's what we do. Listen, we get our eyes on that thing. We, start, now we're st we still say we're following Christ, but we're watching that thing, and eventually it'll drag us off the... See what I'm going? If, if we don't watch where we're walking and walk where we're watching, we'll get our distracted eyes over here and it'll eventually pull our bodies with it and we'll be missing the boat we'll be off the path of following the Lord and serving the Lord that's the problem with having stuff it'll, it'll, just like a toddler eventually we're going to bump into something it's going to knock us down it's going to hurt us and what this passage is saying is hey don't do that hey right here God's going right here right, God's going hey look at me look at me keep your eyes on me Keep laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy and thieves can't break in and steal. One of the most traumatic things April and I have ever been through is when our house got robbed in Dothan. I was working an outage, it was late hours, and I got off early one day, so I went by and picked up the kids. I pulled in the carport and I looked and I thought, April left the door open. And then I thought, April ain't here. Why is the door open? And I look and I see the, the, the door frame is busted. I can see the, the splinters. And then I realized somebody has been in my house or may be in my house. Call 911. I go inside. They, they took a bunch of, I mean, we didn't have enough to take. I mean, it's kind of a wasted trip to try to rob from us. But they got some stuff that was sent them. They got her, some of her mom's jewelry. They got some of my dad's guns he had given me. 
It's traumatic. It took us months to get over that. Years, maybe. But you know what God did? Every time I read this passage now, he's like, Kevin, ain't you glad you ain't worried about that stuff? Aren't you glad, listen, aren't you glad that those thieves couldn't break in and steal your joy? Aren't you glad those thieves couldn't break in and steal your salvation? Aren't you glad that you're working yourself to lay up treasures in heaven and not just being concerned with stuff that you can put in a safe or hide under a bed? You see, Tony Evans says this, God must have our devotion if you are to get his kingdom direction. If you want God's direction, he must have your devotion. Here's what I would add to that. Once we get his direction, then our following devotion will determine how we follow his directions. See, God's going to get your attention at some point. Some of you, it's already happened. Some of you have already been following Jesus. Others of you had a religious experience, but you're not really a follower of Jesus. He got your attention, but you turned away too fast, and now you've been chasing your own stuff. You've been chasing the, 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 the gods of this world. When it comes to our decisions and our finances, the focus of our devotion makes all the difference in how we, how we live. Here's my plea with you today. Again, I, I'm not asking you to give. I'm not asking for more money. I'm just telling you the truth of what God's Word says. If your stuff is more important to you than following Jesus, you've got a problem. And it's not a problem I can fix, but let me tell you, I know the one who can. If you'll just give it to him, he'll fix it. And by the way, just full transparency, he's still fixing that with me. He's been working on me. So here's the invitation today. As always, if you need to come to faith in Christ, man, today's your day. If you want to, for the first time, say, hey, I want to follow Jesus. I want to live my life for him. When I pray in just a minute, you come down here and let's talk about it. Maybe you've been, you've been a professing believer, but you haven't really been sold out. You're, you're kind of like that toddler. You've been looking at some other stuff when you say you're following Jesus. And maybe today you say, hey, Brother Kevin, I want to make today, I want to make it a pivot point in my life that from this point forward, I'm going to be sold out following Jesus the rest of my life. If you need to join the church, move a letter, all that stuff, we can do that. But here's the, here's the, the singular focus, maybe the, the pinpoint focus of the invitation time today. This is an opportunity for you to be obedient to what God is prompting you to do. If during this message you've been convicted about how you think about your money, by the way, it's not your money, it's his money. I don't know why God makes me give him back 10%. Hey, buddy, he gave you 100. He's let, letting you keep 90. That's a pretty good deal. I'd take that deal right now, wouldn't you? If you've, if you've been under conviction about what I've been reading from the Bible, what I've been talking about, and you just need to say, Lord, I repent of loving stuff more than loving you. You ain't got to come up here and tell everybody, but would you, just, would you just let the Lord deal with you and then you respond in obedience to whatever he's leading you to do? You have one opportunity for instant obedience, and here's where it is. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray. When I say amen, if you need to come pray, uh, you need to make a profession of faith or any of that stuff, you come do it. Otherwise, you just stay there. And if God's convicting you, just pray and ask him to, to show you how to remedy the problem in your life of your funds and your focus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the conviction of this scripture in my life. Lord, I, it, may not be, it may not be working on anybody else, but God, you've been whooping me with it. And I praise you for that. Thank you for giving me direction. Thank you for giving me course correction. God, you're worthy of everything we can do, everything we can give. Lord, I pray that my life would be poured out like a drink offering, like Paul said. God, you deserve preeminence, and I pray we would give you that today. 
If there's anybody here that's not doing that, I pray you would convict them and challenge them, show them how they can change to give their all for you so they can lay up those treasures in heaven. Lord, whatever you're doing in this service, we pray you would do it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.